Welcome to Angel Virgin, usually a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, but this week we're going to be watching and talking Season 3, Episodes 7 through 13 of Angel. I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John, and this is the rest of the crew. Why don't you guys introduce yourself with your special skill you bring to the team? Hi, my name is Travis. I'm the human Dr. Travis, as opposed to demon Dr. Dennis. Uh, hello, my name is John, and I am fully capable of tying a knot in a cherry stem. Not with my tongue, just with my fingers. That'll come in handy. You're the zoom and enhance guy. You're like the, the tactical special team. Oh, am I supposed to have a serious answer? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. That's what I do on this podcast. That, uh, yes, I do that. Uh, my name is Michael, and my special skill is being a virgin. I'm inexperienced, but I've got just a gut sense of how things should be. <laughs> I have not seen Angel past this chunk of episodes from season three, episode seven through 13. Awesome. All right. Well, let's find out what these episodes are about. Let's go into the summaries. The summary. Well, guys, I took great notes, so I've got these fantastic summaries. There will be some details missed, but let's do it. Season three, episode seven, Offspring. Darla is pregnant and raging. And in the final credits, Holtz returns. In season three, episode eight, Quickening. Angelus and Darla kill Holtz's wife and two children in the past. In the present, so John brings Holtz up to speed. Everybody wants to kill that unborn baby inside of Darla, or get it for some reason. Holtz's gang unsuccessfully takes on Angel Investigations at the Hyperion, and Darla's water breaks. Season 3, Episode 9, Lullaby. Holtz finally gets Angel, who escapes by grenading himself. Rant about this later. Darla <laughs> stabs herself to save their baby after trying to abort it. Well, many times trying to abort it. Season 3, Episode 10, Dad. Holtz discovers and offers to mentor Justine. Angel's baby's name is Connor, and everybody wants that baby. Connor Angel! Season 3, Episode 11, Birthday. Cordy takes enough cell tracks to leave her body and gets the opportunity to give her vision power to Angel and become a famous, well-paid actress. Season 3, Episode 12, Provider. Angel Investigation's new website is attracting too many clients, so the gang takes on too much new work. Angel tries to clear out a vampire nest. Fred and Lawrence solve a riddle, and Gunn and West meet a zombie boyfriend. Season 3, episode 13, Waiting in the Wings. It's Angel Investigation's Night at the Ballet, only it's the same performance Angel saw 200 years ago. Angel and Cordy make out, possessed by the spirits of lovers. And Count Korkoff, Count Kirkoff is punishing a ballerina for taking a lover, but with Angel's guidance to try a few new steps and smashing that Count's medallion, everyone is freed and only a little embarrassed. And then suddenly a Grusalug appears. <laughs> Good stuff, Mike. You're all cut up now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now let's move on to great lines for all these. Great lines. I love the line where Angel's trying to sell everybody on the ballet. This just really worked for me. It just opened up the whole episode. I saw their production of Giselle in 1890. I cried like a baby and I was evil. And then still trying to convince Gunn. Gun, these guys are tight, and you're going to be tripping out. Don't use my language <laughs> against me. <laughs> the trust, the trust is gone. I just love that episode. Oh, John, you go. Oh, yeah. I like the demon contractor putting in the new security system at Caritas. He's like, I've got mouths to feed, plus a family. And some of them have mouths, too. 
Just a, I'm a demon joke. <laughs> they never get old. Yep. So I have a couple quotes. Uh, the first is from the birthday episode. And Cordelia is talking to Wesley in that random house in Reseda. And she goes, so I tore down the wallpaper at the hotel and came to this address. What do you think that means? And Wesley says, I'm not sure. I'll have to consult my books. And Cordelia is like, some things never change. That's a very sweet moment. And then just a few seconds later, Gunn wants to get introduced to Cordelia because she's famous in this alternate reality. They're just talking about how Wesley slobbered up, you know, gave her a kiss and slobbered on her. Wesley's like, as much as I'm enjoying this forced death march down Sunnydale Lane, (laughs) it's like this totally, like amazingly bitter response to some totally inappropriate behavior. And then another great, I love this, another great quote from Cordelia was from the, I think it was from Offspring. She says, well, all we can do is live each moment to the fullest and be grateful that we did not throw too much money at the NASDAQ, (laughs) which is just like this crazy, like business savvy thing when like Cordelia's parents used to be rich, but... And then I liked also, I think in that same episode, Fred said, can I say something about destiny? Screw destiny. If this evil thing comes, we'll fight it and we'll keep fighting it till we whoop it. Because destiny is just another word for inevitable and nothing's inevitable as long as you stand up and say you're evitable. And it's just like the most adorable thing I think I've ever seen. Nice. Yeah. Amazing monologue there. (laughs) I picked this one because it felt almost like more like a Simpsons moment than an angel yeah. moment they're like how do we get past this guard blah 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 and then cordelia is like i have an idea hey do you like bribes do i ever <laughs> she just went in too low only a hundred bucks <laughs> yeah that's that is, more of a tip he calls that a tip that... not in 2002 that that money went a long way man yeah i am definitely under tipping if that is a tip yeah <laughs> You're under tipping all of the ballet security guards that you're tipping. (laughs) So I just want them to be doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's get into questions. Questions for the group. Great. Well, one of the things that comes up in this arc of Angel is vampires giving birth. How should a vampire give birth? I'm just curious how people think this was supposed to work. Now, obviously, Darla's pregnancy is some crazy anomaly, but that babe... Well, anyway, we'll get into... I would like to just discuss this kind of... How should it happen and what went wrong? Or is this (laughs) just the unique circumstances that vampires can never give birth? Yeah, I want to start answering this question with, you know, vampires are fictitious, so any rules created for them... (laughs) are just rules we made up in our head. And I say this only because as like a horror expert, I very often get questioned, what happens if a man bites a werewolf? And I'm like, whatever you want to happen, because it's made up. <laughs> like, I, my, my demon doctorate is honorary, because it's all made up. Um, <laughs> within the Buffy angel verse, when a, vampi- a vampire is not supposed to give birth, and so, obviously, a vampire getting pregnant is this, like, crazy magical anomaly. And one of the established canon things is, like, a vampire cannot provide life, right? So, like, she just cannot... The fa- the final act of giving birth, she just can't do in this. It's really similar to how Angel, in season one of Buffy, couldn't give Buffy CPR, right? It's the right. same, like, the same notion. 
that's that's all I wanted to say before we got into like anything else. I mean, how many options are there for how they should give birth? I mean, I assume you're asking sort of physically, right? Like, I suppose the options are she could have like a vaginal birth, she could have a C-section, or she could lay an egg. Ooh, lay an like, egg. Lay, yeah, I, an I'm egg. all for egg. I think egg is probably the way to go. Because <laughs> like traditionally, a vampire gives birth by a vampire's offspring is who they infect, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's right. like a plenty of other. I mean, Twilight has a vampire baby, right? For the hot mess that that is. Oh, my God. (laughs) So we're living in the world of fiction here, obviously, and there's a lot of different directions they could go. And in the Buffyverse, there is some kind of thing that protects Darla or the baby from coming out of her body. And one of them was going to die in that process. And so Darla chooses to take her own life. It also instantly disappears. Baby instantly just born. Yeah. Right. Like, no umbilical cord. No placenta. Yeah, I guess if you were wondering, you know, who gets the umbilical cord? Clearly, the mother does because it vaporizes with her. Uh, we've just been waiting a long time for this moment. Sorry. I think, like, I, I agree. Something. I, I, I'd be more. I mean, it's a great dramatic moment. Like, I think how they handled it was really fun. Like in a very like abrupt. I mean, I think. Michael, you were where were you? You were somewhere. We were watching this, right? And you were flipping out. Oh yeah, we were just watching this on Zoom. Like yeah, we were watching over Hulu party. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Hulu watch party, totally legal, <laughs> not problematic at all. And you, you kind of lost your shit a little bit, like in a good way. Like you were just like flabbergasted. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a crazy scene because like Caritas has been destroyed, and they're like just in an alleyway in the street. I mean, this is probably like just how. And Jealous would have liked it. But, like, this is just a messy scene. And then, like, they just make it even crazier. Darla's basically saying goodbye to everybody. And, like, I didn't catch that was what, where there was going. I literally imagined her, because, you know, she they she grabbed the, they ended up in that observatory, like, getting information about the baby. Like, oh, it's a boy. Like, treating it like this is a normal birthing process. And then for that you know, to follow that with just, cool, I'm killing myself, and here's the baby. We just spent so much time worrying about Darla's condition, caring about Darla, but then also being repulsed by her, that this is just like an abrupt, crazy ending. And so it just felt like my brain couldn't handle that that's what the show did. And then also in this next series of episodes, The Angel's a Dad. I just, it's just insane. Yeah. I, I, another way they could have done it would be something magical. If it's a magical pregnancy... The, the delivery must be magical. That's like one other rule, like potential way to, do, to address it. Well, great. I'm sure this will come up again, but thank you so much, uh, Dr. Horror Dr. Dennis. <laughs> Demon Doctor. Now let's move on to the next question for more investigation. Well, these are all speculative questions. So in the alternate universe in Birthday, Cordelia stumbles into a crime scene investigation that Wes and Gunn show up to and Wesley is missing an arm and it's an awesome intro to Wesley but like how did he lose that arm uh just curious if there was are they literally calling back a moment or it's just like this is just wearing an eye patch walking into a scene yeah like how does this feel I think the one thing I want to interject with this arm thing and I'll get with you on this mic is it's super sad that even in the alternate reality Glenn you know Glenn Quinn's character, like, Doyle dies. There's still, like, an effed up alternate reality where, like, that character still dies. And he, and he must kiss Angel. I mean, that's what was not discussed. To pass <laughs> yeah. on the, sup- the, yeah. the powers. <laughs> yeah. It's the only way I to do that it. too. <laughs> oh, shit. 
I was thinking about in Community, they have a darkest timeline that they often refer to. Yes. In the darkest timeline, Jeff is missing an arm. So that must be referencing this Angel episode. And then I think, didn't we see in in one of the dark timelines, somebody had an eye patch, or Buffy had an eye patch on Buffy. Remember when she was from Cleveland? She didn't have an eye patch, did she? She just had a scar. She had a scar. She had a scar on her face. Okay. Yeah. Which is a, yeah. Something's gone wrong. People have scars. Yeah, body horror is a quick way to get to story, man. It's great. Okay, so Angel in Provider, Angel gets paid to clear out a vampire nest, or he's promised to be paid $10,000, $5,000 up front, and Angel is overjoyed. So <laughs> having not used real currency at any time in this show to determine the value of stuff, I was kind of shocked that that was the going rate, but also like, is that appropriate? So just a general question here. How much would you charge to clear out a vampire nest? I think more. Probably. Okay, just more than 10000 Yeah, I mean... I mean well, I mean, because I'm risking my life if I do it. But I guess Angel... I think his, from Angel's point of view, he's doing it anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of somebody paying you $10,000 to, you know, do the grocery shopping. He's like, oh, I was doing that shit anyway. Yeah, given that a uh, clearing out a vampire nest would kill me, I would charge. <laughs> <laughs> I would charge enough to make it worthwhile for my heirs, I guess. <laughs> All right, Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question seriously. It's gonna depend on the number of vampires, their their organizational strength, how much economic benefit the person who wants to get out of the, the clearing the nest will uh, obtain afterwards. Meaning if someone is like, if there's a vampire nest in, in sort of state housing where there's really no financial interest, you're not going to, you shouldn't charge, you know, the poor people that live there that much money. But if there's a vampire nest in Bel Air, then right. the price is going to go up. Price is going to go up. Yeah. Can I just subcontract this to Buffy who will do it for free and then I collect everything? <laughs> oh, that's right. Buffy said we should charge and then quickly went back on that, huh? Well, Michael, you're a freelancer. I mean, you apply the, yeah. apply the same logic in your life. Like, how would yeah. you go about yeah. arriving at a number? Great. That's a good question. Well, it depends on my client and what I imagine right. their budget is. So right. instead of you're saying, like, how at risk I am, I actually go from the re- reverse side. How much money does this client have? Because <laughs> right. that'll also determine the tactics. And if there's any reporting afterwards about the results, besides the, like, oral, like, we did it like over a text or something. So it depends on the client. If the client is Wolfram and Hart, I mean, that's a big contract, guys. We really nailed it. So I think this is a six-figure job at least. Now, if the client is my neighbor, I mean, this is probably an exchange deal. I want your car or something. Like, we got to work out something that's of <laughs> significant A barter, a barter situation. Yeah. I like that as a freelancer, you immediately go to, I want my neighbor's car. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think of something of significant value Firstborn, you know. (laughs) Right. And if this is Rumpelstiltskin, it's firstborn. Yeah. I think this brings up like this unspoken question of how we've always complained about how Angel has never invested or saved money. And it's always been (laughs) like, oh, it's just me. It's just me. Well, dude, you can't see the future. It's never going to just, you don't know if it's going to just be you. So this is like a great like moral on saving, which is, yes, you should save in a vacuum without any additional information. Like saving is just a universal good. Just because it's just you doesn't mean that that's the way it will always be. And so, you know, we've railed against Angel having no savings, no stock investments, nothing. And now it's coming back to bite him in the butt. 
Now yeah, did you notice that he, he was talking about his kid being a graduate of the year 2020? I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Weird to hear our year shouted out. Well, well, I'm that glad is that, weird. I didn't, I didn't really notice <laughs> if, that at the time. If only that uh, this child of either darkness or light could have could change 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that prophecy again? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the year of, yeah. So I have a question. Darla kills a bunch of people in episode quickening on the bus. Who at the LAPD is going to follow up with this? Or is there just going to be a vast amount of unsolved vampire murders because Kate is no longer with the LAPD? Yeah, Kate's right. gone, man. I don't think anyone yeah. else is looking into it. That's like when Mulder leaves X-Files, right? It's like there's it's just the no one's times. investigating supernatural cases. <laughs> well, well, we know that's not true. Agent Doggett and Scully continue with the work once Mulder's gone. Okay, oh, okay. I, I meant it metaphorically. Sorry. Yeah, so I guess that's been. Uh... I think it would have been great if, like, um, excuse me, <laughs> Mulder so... actually left, and they did just fine. In fact, if their case I, I... solve record went up without Mulder's shenanigans, I believe that. I think it would have been funny. I, I haven't seen the new X Files or the new old X Files. It would have been great if, like, they just restarted, and there's just like. They go into their desks and there's just like a hundred cases on the desk, like unsolved <laughs> cases. And they're like, this case is cold. This is a 15-year-old cold case of an abduction. And then like most of the series is just trying to solve cold cases and bring peace to people. Oh, man. That would have been dark. Okay. I'm sure it would have been better than what the X-Files reboot turned out to be. Yeah, I just have some notes about how Glenn Quinn passed away at the end of the year. This episode of the of birthday where they talk about Glenn Quinn dying, he, he did real pass away in real life about 11 months later, which is very sad. And it's just so weird. But, ugh. And uh, do you think that the fake Cordelia sitcom was a bit of a mind <laughs> F for the actress? Meaning, if you want to make it in Hollywood, she's on a TV show. I mean, I think most people in Hollywood want to make it in Hollywood. I mean, let's, let's have that be an assumed pretense. And back in the late 90s, early 2000s, a sitcom was like a big deal, right? It was like the era of the sitcom. But like, this is filming a fake sitcom. Boy, that would, that would really kind of mess with me in, in a weird <laughs> way. Because that's many people's goals certainly were to be the star of a sitcom. I don't know if you guys, what you guys think about that. I like what you set up just now where... I mean, a sitcom would have been like a high watermark for achievement and money making, like yeah. you get fame and money. Though, you know, there was still like independent filmmaking and filmmaking as its own world that was separate from sitcoms, but also probably paid well, but, you know, more irregularly. It does seem so, like sitcom money was the big money. Like people, Terry, what's her name? Terry Farrell left DS9 to do the Becker sitcom. Oh, Yeah. I mean, that had to have been more money, because why else would you do that terrible sitcom and leave the last season of DS9? <laughs> I know. But we got Esri. Yeah. But yeah, the deaf sitcoms were definitely huge. And it, looks like, it looked like a half-hour show. I mean, this was musty TV time. This was pre-internet, pre-Netflix, essentially. Pre-streaming Netflix, pre-original content. Yeah, um, it's clearly designed to look like an NBC sitcom of the time. Oh, totally. Which is super weird, because this was... Yeah airing on the WB, although to be fair, Warner Brothers does own the rights 
for Friends. There's complicated things, but yes, it does look like a very generic, like cross between the TV show Friends and Caroline in the City, and maybe yeah. something else. But with also with all the money sucked out of it, it just looks super low budget too. It's Grace without the will. Yeah, <laughs> there's one scene, Mike. Let, let's. <laughs> But anyways, I feel bad because, you know, remember from season one of Angel, there was that actress who had been off the air for two years. Uh, yeah. It was one where she was trying to become an immortal vampire. And she was a pretty young actress. And I thought she was a very good in her role. And she played a popular TV actress on, was it Raven? It wasn't Raven. It was, uh, what was the show? The fake show? I don't the remember. fake show, yeah. Anyways, she was on this fake show and this person would always be 24 or 22 or 21 forever. Yeah. And uh, I feel just terrible because that, that actress never went and had any real success in, in a traditional sitcom yeah. or any other show subsequent to that season one episode of Angel. And then, of course, we have this fake Cordelia sitcom. And, um, you know, Cordelia's had success in other, in other shows, but, you know, never, I mean, never to the height of a sitcom success. And that's... That's just kind of brutal, man. It's just kind of this brutal alternate reality you get to peek at, you know, even though it's a fake Hollywood reality. It's just kind of a, a brutal peek into what could have been. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like you're, you're an astronaut. You get to do all the simulated missions, but you never get to go in space. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's still a TV star. Absolutely. But she never got that sitcom, never got that, that headline, Charisma Carpenter headlining uh, role. All right. Let's move on from questions <laughs> to more specific questions. <laughs> questions for Doc Trav. So my, my one medical question here is on the, the drug of Celtrax, which is the drug that Cordelia is taking and it's implied might be abusing. It's not really made clear. Is Celtrax a real drug, Travis? I looked long and hard for Celtrax and Celtrax would be a, would be a trade name for a drug. What I come up with is it, it sounds like a ripoff name of uh, Imatrex, which is for migraines. Now, my hunch is that she, they, she wasn't abusing the Celtrax so much as taking a ton of it, which is can be difficult to separate from what abusing is, but, but it's more okay. of she, was, she had to take it so often. That's more my take on that concept. But I have to say, Celtrex is a great trade name for a drug, and I'm sure some company has, it, has a trademark. I just don't know who. Because <laughs> um, Celtrex is cool. There's also Valtrex, which is an antiviral medicine. But I think they're just trying to mi mimic Imitrex. And the Leminex is the antidepressant medicine from Brain Candy, the kids in the oh, movie. Oh, Leminex, that's a great name, too. Oh, my God. Leman but Celtrex has cell in the name. I know. Yeah, it sells itself. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted your... Was that a Gleamanex rhyme? Oh, yeah, it's just... I was just quoting from the Kids in the Hall movie where they're like... They, they start marketing it to dogs. I was like, does this dog scream, Gleamanex for pets? <laughs> well, and, and that brings me to a great question is, who's paying for the MRI and CT scans for Cordelia? You know, if these were just regular MRI scans, they would be insanely, insanely expensive in 2002. But they're like functional. These are like very special MRI scans. That, they're like functional MRI scans. Like they're just not a normal MRI scan that they show these pictures of. Her, she's probably, what, 20? And her parents, is she still in her parents' insurance? Or did I remember her parents actually going to jail or did they just lose everything? I think they're, yeah, they lost everything. I don't know if dad went, daddy went to jail or not. So whose insurance is, is paying for this? Because Angel does not offer dental, and I don't think Angel offers medical. Yeah. Because Angel doesn't have any money. And they totally weren't even aware of it, I feel like. 
Yes, as if it was an employee-based medical insurance group, the HR, of which there is no HR, would have been getting a, like a ton of medical like bills from their carrier. <laughs> it just. Do you think if like Wolfram and Hart doesn't have an HR department because it's like discriminatory to say human? I mean, obviously, like it's paid for by everyone's part-time jobs or her acting career because it's after everyone's done working their part-time work they used to pay their bills then they pile into the hyperion to do odd jobs for no money because it's the right thing to do i mean this is just a volunteer organization right that's where like everything gets so weird around just working for money they don't even know how to do it they don't have a billing department they don't have an invoice get plan it's just that's like all cordelia right that's that's like her season one thing oh sending God. invoices Instead, um, they get into emotional blackmail with each other over just doing a job versus hanging out, which they can't. It's, what is this work? So I think the scans are just, yeah, it's acting, her actoring money from that, whatever the commercial we saw her in, the misogynist commercial. Oh, yeah, from last year. That was the last time we saw a job from her. Hope that commercial is paying big money. Yeah, that's a, it's an amazing, amazing payday. Is that, is that brain scan money? <laughs> Sorry, backtracking here a second. The name Celtrex, I just did a, I just occurred to me to do a trademark search. The name Celtrex, C-E-L-L-T-R-E-X, spelled that way, has been registered as a trademark uh, for cosmetic and skincare preparations by the company NSE Products Incorporated in uh, Provo. Provo, Utah? I assume. So it's an MLM scam. Stay away from that company. <laughs> There's also other various spellings. Saltrex Sal. registered for electronic and digital publications. Registered to Joseph Lendelstraat in the Netherlands. I'm sure this is riveting awesome. radio. Yeah, <laughs> awesome content, people. <laughs> All right, sorry. Moving on. <laughs> what else are we doing? Let's uh, do best worst episode. And I didn't write one down here because I agree with John's. Okay, well, my best episode was birthday. I love the It's a Wonderful Life premise of that episode. I think it really works. And I really love the, uh, as we talked about, the the fake sitcom that they produced. That's really excellent. Waiting in the Wings is weird because it's, it's my worst episode I, I think I settled on. I have some serious problems with the whole pregnancy plot. But I think as like a, just as a piece of storytelling, I think Waiting in the Wings doesn't work very well. For a number of reasons, it's it's very Joss Whedon though. It's a Joss Whedon written episode, and it it's got his fingerprints all over it. But it really, to me, just doesn't really work. the The whole idea of the ghost stuck in a loop thing is a Buffy episode we've already seen, and it was not a terribly memorable Buffy episode. And this feels like a kind of a lackluster retread of that. And I'm kind of getting into best worst monster here, but the the comedy tragedy monsters were really stupid. It was like somebody's bad idea for a tattoo. And not a good monster. It just seemed really kind of like a one-liner idea. That's my Man, best I, and worst. I don't want to jump in to defend worst uh, waiting in the wings. Just I'll, I'll wait till everybody has their, I guess, best worst. But I have some thoughts about waiting in the wings. Yeah, I, well. I'm sorry. I actually didn't really read John's. I just saw both of them and we're like, yeah, those are my two favorite. Oh, I, sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Everybody liked waiting in the wings. I thought that might be the case. I, I thought so, I was so going to stand alone I was like, on that I one. should actually read before I just... <laughs> Say I agree. Those were my two favorite episodes, and I didn't really, I don't know. I felt like it just took too long for Darla to get to the birth thing. Like, that stretch of episodes is just too long. If they tightened it, it would be a good, yeah. good episodes. But 
Yeah, I'll agree. Birthday was incredible. I like the It's a Wonderful Life read. I hadn't even thought of that, even though that's very apparent. But just the fun speculation of what would happen if, and just the weird place that episode went, is all unexpected. But, you know, dealing with the idea of the visions causing migraines, we know they're painful, and that Cordy has been a drug addict or gotten into, like, drug abuse without intending to, and that now has left her body. Plus, it, like, has an amazing reuse of probably my favorite you know monster from uh this show so far well this 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 season yeah skip who like has a face like a door knocker you just want to grab that thing (laughs) and knock on it that episode has this weird delightfully like meta reference to the matrix where they're instead they're in a mall i don't know why but i have so many feelings about malls now and this thing just like hooks into the weirdness of if i had imagined a white space to go to that only kids from the 90s remember it'd be like the mall (laughs) it's like this is a safe place that's kind of fun and different but just as like a premise for a clip show and stuff anyway i have also a rant about this but i'll wait and then the worst one it's just that whole arc of darla being pregnant i guess we're going to reiterate that a few times but that offspring through dad is is pretty really bad and then lullaby is the worst and lullaby is the actually episode where anything happens because it's the episode where darla actually like kills herself and gives birth but it's also the episode where angel grenades himself to escape from holtz's torture chamber that is such an unexpected undeserved escape that like like your jaw is open for the entire episode and it just stays open just like some of the choices they make. And then they destroy Caritas in that episode. That episode loves grenades, <laughs> both metaphorical and actual grenades. <laughs> and the episode itself is a grenade that blows up the show <laughs> or the direction you think the show is going. Yeah, it really, that, that whole grenade thing really shows the difference between like your hero vampires and your like disposable vampires. Because last season, with one grenade, Riley killed like an entire room full filled with vampires oh, yeah. nobody nobody questioned it it was just like yeah <laughs> of course a grenade like in an enclosed space would blow up vampires that's fine but yeah if it happens to our hero it's just his escape plan you don't even see him running out holding his guts or anything it's just like i would say the screenwriting in general like screenwriters knowledge of explosives is really limited yeah it's, there's certain things in the screenwriter's toolkit that they can use as weapons electricity is fucking magic as we know it could be just like zap an enemy done explosives it just depends on how done they want it to be it could be devastating but it could be just a smoke bomb like just whatever just a, but i assume explosives are like that kind of that malleable but and yeah blowing up caritas is a big bummer because that's like yeah i miss caritas man i feel like that's an important space we now don't have yeah mm-hmm. it was their quarks it was their 10 forward <laughs> <laughs> uh, my best episode uh was waiting in the wings I, I that's a great episode because it's 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 a great one-off episode so and there have been you know instead of having to get really obsessed with like this massive arc although it, it pays off a massive arc i think is was what's really fun and it's it's obvious, and it's and it's very Angel and Cordelia focused, which is great. Although it does focus on Gunn and Fred as well. So to me, it's a very enjoyable episode, even if the monsters are not not exciting at all. Yeah, there's definitely no no uh, no love lost between me and those stupid monsters. Um, <laughs> but it is it is very Whedon Whedon esque, uh, certainly. And then um, I didn't. I dad the episode dad is difficult. Um, it's just difficult to have a show with that has all of a sudden a newborn child. 
it just changes everything, <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's a weird plot device. And so it's obviously, the, the pregnancy was actually less of a plot monster than the child, because at least Darla was able to walk around and defend herself. But the show does start to break down once there's like a tiny child that everything and everyone wants to kill because you just really can't have plot if that's the case. You can't have things happen. It's just crazy. They didn't, they didn't truly consider the consequences to the season because of the child. But I, I know what they were trying to do with, with Angel having a kid. All right. Let's move on to best and worst of monsters. Yeah, it's part of what I said. My worst is not the comedy tragedy demons. It's the grappler demons is my worst because the grappler demons have Popeye arms. <laughs> and like that could be a cool monster thing, but they've got their this weird thing where their forearms are way bigger than their upper arms. And it just looks really silly. And it just feels like, I don't know, their makeup doesn't look applied properly or something. It's something about them that doesn't work for me. But I loved the Nadra demons with the, their geometric tunics and their like weird claw mouths. So that was that was a super mm. good monster. I kind of like the grappler demons just because they are like so specifically the most expendable demon force you can buy. They're the like, Foot Clan. Like they <laughs> they look really big and tough, but apparently their heads are they have tusks, which instead of being used for weapons are just like how you tear their heads off. Um, <laughs> handles. <laughs> yeah, just handles for tearing their heads off. Uh, the Nadar demons. Um, don't look great to me, but I think they're interesting, especially once we get to the reveal of like their heads fall off. That that whole concept of if his head falls off, but he's got another head, he's still the king. He's still himself. Yeah. That's so <laughs> weird, and I want to explore. I want to like explore that aspect more. Um, totally. I the drama comedy demons. I do feel like those are classic Joss Whedon henchman trope. You know, they're so similar to what we saw Sweet have in the little dummy boys in What's More Worth Feeling. And they're like mm-hmm. so similar to a lot of things that Joss does. They, they feel like ripped out of the 1950s of like, <laughs> of like a, a play. Like they're so old, like their era is so bygone. They didn't bother me as much as the Count Dracula guy, just because it's like, who, who could be controlling this? I don't know. Maybe the dude who looks like Count Dracula who has a giant gem in his chest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I also like just the, the zombie boyfriend and provider because that's a funny trope to me. The, like, my boyfriend's back guy. Those are all charming. Uh, yeah, that's what I got. So I chose the Holtz. Holtz as a best monster or the bird demon or the paranormal obstetrician or whatever. The evil person for Wolf from Our Heart because oh, it was yeah. just a crazy, super. Actually, it's very problematic the way they portrayed that character, like very problematic. But um, yeah, the worst. But I, I do think like the reveal son. of his little chicken feet. That was good. yes. That's what I like the most. Yeah. Is yes. the chicken. That's feet. a really good monster. Yeah. Yes. So I enjoyed that because it was a surprise and it was fun. It was demony. Okay. But then there's the casual like genocide joke. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Yes. No good. And then the worst, Sajan. Sajan is such an awful monster because of the way he speaks. He just speaks like he's from California, but he's centuries old. But then he's not very smart. He's just such an unbelievable monster. Like, he's not era appropriate to any era. And that's my problem with him. I like the ongoing joke about his demanding that everybody recognize that he's male, even though he's not a person. (laughs) That's a good joke. Like, that joke made me chuckle. uh, It's a good joke, but it's kind of like... 
it doesn't age. It's like super, it's kind of a, I don't know. Yes, it's strange. It's a nice quirk. It's a good quirk for the character. I just don't like a lot of things about the character. Yeah, no, I agree with you. He, yeah. he does like sort of like almost like a Batman voice the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it's my street face. And yeah, I don't like his demon design very much either because it, I talk about this sometimes. It just, it lacks a coherent theme. It's like you got the spooky gray skin and like some, what, imagery carved on it and then a rope down the middle. You're like, what? Is, like, give me something to latch onto. Give me something to understand what your theme is. Um, why do you have a rope down the middle of your face? Can I pull on it? Well, my best worst is going to be Holtz because I feel like he's both, the setup for Holtz is awesome. Holtz is from the past. Angelus is past. Angelus and Darla killed his family. He has strong reasoning for revenge and also for essentially choosing to be frozen across time in order to get his revenge. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. I love the audacity of that as a character. Uh, I like him getting caught up to the present and just that wonderful weirdness with Sajan. And like, Sajan over... I almost want to say St. John. I'm sorry. Sajan. 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 Yeah, over time, Sajan becomes a weaker and weaker character and weirder and, like, doesn't fit. His plans to help Holtz don't necessarily help Holtz. He's like, here's a bunch of random people in a gym that you can use to fight Angel. Anyway, uh, that's an aside, sorry. So Holtz has got these awesome motivations. He actually traps Angel, and then Angel escapes with a grenade. I guess it's like Holtz doesn't know about grenades. You know, this is a surprise in Holtz's, you know, plans or whatever, but... Holtz should have killed Angel in that scene. <laughs> like, the fact that Holtz doesn't get what he wants and then is kind of like diminishing returns as a villain because Holtz trapped Angel, he's got him dead to rights, and then we, lo- we lose the steam on that. And I'm sad because I'm pretty sure, let's say 95% sure, Holtz is the big bad for this season. He already lost. I already don't, he already has no power. Like, he's lost it all. So it's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're... You're speaking really to like just the limits of being a villain on a sitcom or not a sitcom on a show where the hero has to live. There's so much hype for Holtz because we get, yeah, more than a century of hatred between them. And that Holtz is somebody that Angel and Darla feared when they were like soulless killers. And then once he gets to modern times, what can he really do? He can't actually kill anybody because like that's the show. So just like every other villain, all he can do is talk and talk, but he's got no Gramja. <laughs> I'm just concerned this show, and I'll get this into possibly a prediction. It's a possible predict- prediction that the Holtz can only work as a reversal where he turns on Wolfram and Hart and teams up with Angel or something at the end, which I don't want to happen. Well, just to piggyback onto what your complaint uh, is about when Holtz captures him at the hotel, when we see a flashback, you can tell Holtz does not seriously want to kill Angel because... In the past, Holtz finds him in Rome and is torturing him. But if you really want to kill somebody, when you capture them, have them tied up, you just do it. You just kill him. So th- for my part, Holtz has never been a serious, a serious <laughs> killer. Like he had him dead to rights in Rome for hours. There's this whole torture scene, which, you know, which can make sense when you think about a guy who's got nothing else going on. Like... It's okay if Angel escapes, because then he'll just Holtz will just capture him again. There are definite reasons why Holtz does never, never like actually avenges his family. Then it's over, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's too much of a meta storytelling pull, though, to go into like the guy that never truly wants to avenge his family and doesn't want to kill 
Angel. In the end, isn't the person who killed my family my family? <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, go into celebrity cameos, which for some reason we're going to do best and worst of. <laughs> well, we, I, I only have a best. My best is John Durbin, uh, who is really barely constitutes a celebrity in any way, but he's, he's a celebrity amazing. in our heart. Yeah, he is definitely in, deep in my heart as a celebrity. So John Durbin uh, is an angel as the uh, demon obstetrician with the chicken feet. I think it's a great performance. It's a kind of character he does really well at, kind of inscrutable and sinister. But John Durbin has uh, done a number of roles. Notably for me, he played Gol Lamech on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, who is a uh, Cardassian who, uh, in the episode where Captain Picard gets tortured, not the one who tortures Picard, but a different Cardassian. is He's very good in that. Also, he is in the 1989 Dr. Caligari as the, uh, in that film, which I know nobody within the reach of my voice except for Dennis has seen this film, <laughs> but go seek it out because it's totally worth it. It's an amazing, an amazing piece of cinema. Yep. And in that film, he plays a uh, mental patient who has a fetish for receiving shock treatments, and he inserts needles into his butt so that he can feel the shocks more deeply, I guess, uh, which is super screwed up now that I say it out loud, but uh, watch the film because it's... Uh, oh, he's amazing real. in it. He's amazing. Yeah, he's really, really good in it. <laughs> and, yeah, halfway through the film, he gets, like, his, like, juices switched with another patient. And he That's right. He becomes a nympho. That's right. He refers to his butt as his pokey globes. Yeah. Hey, so when is Criterion doing a release of this? Because I'm I'm only seeing it available in VHS right now, guys. What's going on? Yeah, I also I also have a DVD, DVD bootleg copy of it. Yeah, you have to get a bootleg. I need a... Okay, great. Thanks. For, well, that we'll be able to find it. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Email Dennis. Got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you if you search eBay, you'll find a bootleg of it. It's not that hard to track down. Like a bootleg 35 millimeter or 16 millimeter? Or like <laughs> no, it'll VHS. be the bootlegs, I believe, are taken from the laser disc. I like that you'd accidentally purchase the film negative on eBay. You're more likely <laughs> to buy the original film negative than to buy a copy of this film. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this movie on the podcast before, but it always yeah. bears repeating. I pulled out the celebrity cameos of Jeffrey Dean Morgan, played the guy who tricked Angel into clearing the vampire nest because he, he goes on. So much to be uh, much of a, a very big genre character. He's Negan in Walking Dead. He's the Winchester's father in uh, Supernatural. Uh, he's Batman's father in Batman v Superman: colon, Dawn of Justice. Um, <laughs> so we can see him in his like before he really had his like badass routine down and could be like the slapstick to Angel. Also, Summer Glau plays the ballerina. I don't know if Firefly was being filmed at the same time. Firefly hadn't aired by the time this came out, but I assume that that they had filmed a lot of it already. I don't know how that worked necessarily, but this was her first Whedonverse appearance, and she'll go on to Firefly and other stuff. Is it me, or did the accent that she was doing sound super fake? She was not <laughs> pulling that off. Yes, I, I'm bringing that up down below. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's yeah let's move on then to that let's do best and worst of character look slash work <laughs> my best character look slash work is uh definitely from the cordy sitcom that they shot so if you haven't seen it there's a deleted scene where they actually shot like a two or three minute scene of this sitcom 
And it's great because they really just, it's clearly done with a lot of love of them constructing, you know, a sitcom of that era in terms of the lighting and the sort of the three camera look and the uh, contrived comedy of errors plot they come up with of, oh no, I have three boyfriends. What do I do? Like uh, it, it just works really well. It's really funny. Do you know who sings the It's Cordy theme song? No, who's singing the theme song? It's uh, Marty Noxon and Drew Goddard. Goddard. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. And if I'm not mistaken, Marty Noxon plays the the best friend in the Cordy sitcom. Oh, does she? I didn't know that. I have to look closely. Yeah, that that would be funny. All right, Travis. Yeah. Oh, yes. The the worst Summer Glau was was great with her ballet performances, but she's a native English speaker. She was born in Texas, so it just <laughs> it's not it's not great to do a really fake Russian type accent. I was trying to Google if she speaks foreign languages because some people do. They do have. They do. I just couldn't see if that she speaks Russian. It's just a rough. Yeah, I just don't think we should celebrate that accent that she did. <laughs> um, but everything else was great about it. I'm just saying, looking back, don't and do sp- that. And speaking of deleted scenes, I guess there's a deleted scene for that episode also because um, Amy Acker is also like a trained ballet dancer. Yeah. Well, so the deleted scene. I sought this out and. On paper, it sounds like an amazing thing. They fall asleep watching the the ballet, or they become entranced by the magic of of the mystical ballet. And Amy Acker is doing her part of the ballet and really pulling it off because she's she's a real ballerina. Wesley kind of comes on and tries to also do his part of the ballet, but just falls over himself because even in the magic world, he can't dance. Which is a really funny joke, and knowing how good the both of them are at physical comedy, I would think that that would be amazing. And I watched it, and I can see why they cut it. It doesn't, it doesn't really play the way you want it to. But yeah, that's what I hear. I haven't watched it, but yeah, that's what like I heard. I want like, that in my head. The version of that in my mm-hmm. head is amazing. Yeah, because Alexis Denisov is a very funny physical actor. Like, oh yeah, slapstick Wesley is so off and on. It's weird. Like <laughs> nice acts. <laughs> Dude, when he flips on the coffee beans. Yeah. Oh, that's him. That's that probably will. But when I die, that will flash before my before my eyes. I'll think back in my life and I'll think da 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 da, born birthdays, all these sort of things. That oh yes, that guy Wesley, aka yeah. Uh, let's move to best zoom in and enhance opportunity. Okay, so the one that I have here is when the uh, evil Wolfram and Hardys are bugging the Angel Hotel and they've got uh, cameras everywhere and they have this horrible audio tech whose like, way of fixing things is to rapidly plug and unplug XLR cables. Separate complaint. <laughs> um, there's a point where the camera quickly pans over the transcript of what was apparently being said in the hotel and so it says wolfram and hart surveillance transcript at number five six five nine nine zero and i'd like for somebody to maybe read this with me we can do a dramatic reading of what was apparently said at the angel hotel michael the part it actually says mp so michael poli will you play the part oh, of mp great. and i'll play the part of woman i assume wmn is yeah. a transcript of woman or is a abbreviation of woman okay how far is rachel do you know from here, I think about 100 miles. Let's see. You got your map out there with you? Yeah, I was just curious as to how long a drive it was. Yeah, because you're right here, and Rachel's right out here, okay? Thanks. You ever been to Rachel? Yes, I have been to Rachel. <laughs> What's it like? Not much There's Not much out there. There's a little inn there, or a saloon. It's called the A-L-E-N. I-E? 
E. So, okay, you want to stop there. There's a few homes out, and then something's cut off. There's something about it. And then something about the infamous Area 51. Something, something doesn't exist. Something, something in Area 51, question mark? So this is a discussion about the ALE Inn, which is a real place. It's a real hotel out in uh, Rachel, Nevada, near Area 51. I don't know why anyone was having this conversation in the uh, Angel Hotel and why this was written down by Wolfram and Hart, but there it is. It's canon. It's on screen. Yeah, between missions. They just... Angel just drove to Roswell. He apparently rode out to, yeah, <laughs> drove out to uh, Rachel, Nevada. Yeah. I guess it's not that far from LA. Like, you know, it's a... It's 100 miles from wherever he was. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, second good zoom in enhance opportunity is the Nadra Demon tunic. They talk about the puzzle with the prime numbers and the setting. It does match the dialogue in as much as the shapes on there do all have prime numbers of sides. And I think it goes like three five seven eleven and then goes back and then loops since three five seven eleven but then there's something else that they say in the dialogue about it being exponential but i don't think that that's real as far as i can tell but i uh, i failed math so i don't know <laughs> is it just me or did that puzzle look not that hard like <laughs> all the numbers they were talking about sounded incredibly complicated but if you just looked at the shapes it seemed yeah. solvable yeah also, how did this demon, these demons get a hold of a puzzle that they can't solve? Because it looks like they made the puzzle. <laughs> there are serious like, plot holes all over the like puzzle. like a last Starfighter situation? Well, yeah, because the puzzle's just there to determine who could be a good match, right, for the head. Right. right? Yeah. But, Which like, is... Angel Investigations should have asked more questions about, like, what's this, what are this deal? There's so many suspicious things. All the cash. I mean, when anyone was trying to pay you with cash in a briefcase, if that doesn't raise one question, <laughs> you're, you're in trouble. All right. You guys want to move on to recommendations? Recommendations. All right. So for the pregnancy stuff, I recommend, of course, Rosemary's Baby. Like, you got to if you're dealing with, like, monster pregnancies. And that movie really deserves its reputation. It's good. I know Mike just recently watched it. The dream scenes in that are so good. It's yeah. stellar. Man, that ending, though, that ending is weird. And uh, anyway, highly recommend it. Have you not seen it. this film before? I managed to avoid it or oh, just listen to the soundtrack or whatever. But anyway, it, was, yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. I also recommend The Brood, David Cronenberg's pregnancy horror movie. The movie, crazy bonkers, but very good, and very disturbing pregnancy horror, or child horror. And then for ballerina horror, I recommend Black Swan, and uh, the Guy Mad movie, Dracula, Pages from a Virgin's Diary. Because it's a ballet. Because uh, it's a ballet. So it's appropriate for this. I'm also going to recommend, um, for the Baby Vampires, Volume 2 of Uzumaki, by Junji Ito. Uzumaki is published in three volumes. The first and the third are really good. The second one is kind of the weird middle volume, but it has pregnant women becoming vampires to feed their baby with like little drills that they drill into patients at a hospital. And shit gets weird from there. <laughs> shit gets weirder from there and it involves mushrooms. I'm also gonna recommend Fifth Element just because of the grappler demons because that's so similar to the aliens in this in Fifth Element, the alien army that they can just hire. I don't think we've ever recommended Fifth Element on this podcast, and it's a yeah. fun movie. All right, we, that's uh, what I got. 
We recommended two films directed by absolute creeps and horrible people. <laughs> yes. That we know of. <laughs> that we, we know really of. don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who, yeah. Are, who are the creeps? Rosemary's Baby is Roman Polanski. Uh, okay, yep, Convicted yep. rapist. And uh, Fifth Element is directed by Luke Besson, who is also a super creep. Oh, that's right. Okay. But yeah, both go both good movies. <laughs> for what it's worth. Hey man, we're talking about Joss Whedon here. Yeah, well, burn on him. He's he's on a way lower level. I feel <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just being a jerk to Joss Whedon fans. Yeah, that's I'm totally fine with that. I was just gonna say maybe add to the recommendations. Extra. That's a good creepy pregnancy monster situation. Oh yeah. Birth. Cool, cool. Anyone else got anything? All right, then let's uh, move on to our rants. Spin it. Okay, uh, I wanted to talk about, and I'm, I'm probably going to screw this up. I uh, probably won't try to go into too much detail about it, but I feel like the Darla pregnancy arc, it's a pretty weird thing for sure, but I think what is kind of most strange and upsetting about it is the way that it portrays pregnancy and the way that I think it sort of belies a lot of what I think are probably pretty common male anxieties about pregnancy. So this whole pregnancy arc of three, four episodes are all those episodes are written and directed by men. And which I think is kind of important because you have this character in Darla who is, you know, a pregnant woman. She's trying to get, she's trying to have an abortion and she can't. And through this whole thing, you have Angel freaking out about this woman who is controlling and has control over what he sees as his child, right? And so it's never explicitly discussed as she should be excited about having this baby, but I think it is definitely suggested that, well, she's evil, so she doesn't want to have a baby. But then, like, she literally becomes a person through becoming a mother. Like, her psychic link to her baby, which has a soul, is what kind of gives her the goodness to want to have a baby. And then she's so scared that when she has the baby that that will go away and she'll become a monster again. It's a really screwed up situation because when she's pregnant and wants to have an abortion, when she's herself and she wants to have an abortion, we kind of can't trust her with that decision because she's evil, right? And we know that's not the right decision because she's evil. When she is later on in her pregnancy, her like vampire soul hormones are taking over and she feels maternal. Well, that's also not her own rational self brain. She's not being herself. She's not thinking in her right head. So that's also not a rational decision. So I feel like the the show really reflects this idea that we can't trust pregnant women to make the right choices for themselves. And there's nothing like overtly anti-abortion in the episode, but I feel like a lot of that thinking comes from the same place. And there's even a point where Wesley like refers to it as not this fetus or whatever, but as angels unborn child is the phrase that he uses. Not even unborn child, but like specifically this, this thing belongs to angel. Angel has a right to it. And once she does the ultimate heroic thing of like just fucking killing herself and getting herself out of the way so that angel can finally be the father he wants to be. But the show doesn't miss a beat and nobody misses her in the next episode or anything. You know, I feel like it's just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a representation of pregnancy that's not overtly pro-life, but has a lot of the sort of dehumanizing of women that goes along with that. And I think comes out of the, some of the same, uh, just anxieties that I think, I don't know, as men, we kind of sometimes have about, I think might have about pregnancy, the idea that like, you might have a kid and that's out of your control. Like that, that is a very anxiety making thing. Whether you have a kid or not is not something you control. Totally is a very anxiety making thing. And I think that we see Angel going through that 
but it's entirely the show is entirely looking at it from his point of view and his eyes and Darla just doesn't get any agency in it because she's either evil or she's either evil and in her right mind or she's good and that's because she's going crazy I don't know that's my rant all right thanks John let's move on to another rant well I I think John's rant has merit I mean the, the pregnancy art is it's tough it's real problematic because it almost they almost deal with the like wrong parts of the of pregnancy perhaps they're not quite they're focusing on some details and ignoring other details with the pregnancy they also talk about how the prophecy could be wrong for a while they think that, that the child is going to be evil and but then angel brings up all these prophecies have been wrong before prophecy and that's kind of what I think where the inevitable, nothing is inevitable quote from Fred comes from. There's a lot of weird assumptions that they don't really go into very much about pregnancy, about why they treat Darla a certain way. So I agree with John. I think there's more, yeah, there's more details that they don't focus on that they probably should have that would have made it more interesting. Right now, the, the pregnancy story is pretty minimal because we see just those glimpses from Darla's perspective. I, I agree with John that that arc wasn't completely fulfilled. You know, it didn't reach it, the, the apex it could have. I know I was separately ranting about how cool it was that Cordelia got a Wonder Woman birthday cake. And then, of course, you know, what, 15 years later, Wonder Woman's this massive movie. But Cordelia, or Charisma Carpenter herself, is a brunette that looks kind of friggin' just like Wonder Woman. <laughs> and who eventually plays Wonder Woman but a brunette that looks a lot like Charisma Carpenter. Of course, 15, 14 and a half, 15 years later, so... I was just another another what if goes by in my mind, and I thought also. Now my other rant was, it's so bad. It's it's very unfortunate that that season one episode one where they're at the party where Angel runs into Cordelia that they couldn't have shot just some extra B roll of Cordelia not meeting Angel. Yeah, to use and it they could in that to use in the yeah. birthday episode when you have a, I would have shot so much extra B roll from the first episode of Angel. <laughs> We, you could have watched, you know, an additional season of just B-roll from that first episode. I know that's just a, that's, that's a very YouTube thing right now to be obsessed with B-roll and stuff like that. But, damn, if they had B-roll of her not meeting Angel, I would have flipped out on that birthday episode. <laughs> when they do the flashback. But that would have been amazing. Well, I want to comment on John's rant for a second because... I think the pregnancy rant is right on about like Darla being super disposable. And really, we just mentioned Rosemary's Baby for a bit. Rosemary's Baby is kind of the opposite, where it takes yeah. the perspective yeah. of the mother and really follows her anxiety. And that one's, you know, has a unique take on Supernatural because she's like concerned that her baby is a part of a prophecy and that it's going to be used in some evil ritual, but then gets gaslit by men. And so it's this story of misogyny that then turns out to be true. They are. You know, there's some creepy ritual. Sorry, spoilers. And then for... I think it's fine. The movie's from the 70s, man. (laughs) Well, I just saw it. I'm just catching up. And Angel, though, like, we never go into Darla's psyche, her story, and her paranoia. Instead, it's like, yeah, she's lashing out. She's angry. She's crazy. You're right. Like, it never gets beyond that male perspective of the baby possibly being evil. You get a glimpse of what the alternative story can be in Rosemary's Baby. And just that is a such more interesting and more satisfying place to go, that kind of paranoia. So it's just a bummer. And there's this amazing movie they could have ripped off uh, if they just looked at demon pregnancies. But I'm sure they, and I'm sure they did. And they um, kind of already did that episode, right? Like they definitely did that a little bit. Um, Cordelia. The episode where uh, Cordelia has a demon pregnancy. I mean, this is, this is uh, well-worn territory for the show, right? Yeah. 
I, I liked how Cordelia brings up that that she's like I, I was pregnant once. It was a it was a demon thing. You know, it was pretty intense. Didn't go to term. Her, her, her banter on her demon pregnancy was amazing, but it's so it's so much more satisfying when you see when you see both sides. You know, if they did a Darla and Angel like pers- perspective. All right, next rant: Angel escaping with the baby to an abandoned mine shaft in Dad, and it's not a baby, of course. It's a fake baby that's actually an explosive um i'm just i'm just mad at this weird use of grenades and explosives in this show and also this weird when they pulled up to a wild west set like this fucking abandoned mine shaft like my brain couldn't handle how absurd this escape was i don't don't know what this ocean's 11 shit is where lauren passes a secret note to angels so he knows where he they can pull the swap off but man that was just an unreal episode these are written by men who want to be writing action movies and they're just stuck on writing angel. (laughs) Okay. Lauren, Lauren's character arc in this sequence of episodes is disturbing to me a little bit. Like Caritas, his pride and joy destroyed, right? The quirks or whatever, the cool bar that everybody hangs out at and Lauren can like pick out their futures. That's such a wonderful concept that they blow up completely and now Lauren is totally okay with becoming the permanent babysitter for Connor, right? Or like semi-permanent. It seems like that's the where that's headed. And like that way Angel Investigations can go on its missions like nothing's happened and Lauren can chill and be the cool gay uncle that takes care of the baby. Yeah, uh, poor Lauren, he's lost all of his agency, you know? Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, I'm excited because like Lauren's on the show more because he has an excuse to be present, but it's still weird. But what a likable yeah. character. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I love that he calls out that he wasn't invited to the ballet. Yeah. And then, but that all just kind of made me angrier because I'm like, why the fuck wasn't he invited to the ballet? Yeah, it makes no sense. It, it would have been so cool. Yeah, he would have really enjoyed it. Yeah, because like, I'm writing my notes, who's taking care of Connor in that ballet scene? They cut back and Lord's taking care of Connor. And it's like, really? They write it as him being pleased with this opportunity. And yeah. they love making dark jokes about killing babies. Man, they love it. That's like <laughs> everything. I thought there was a lost opportunity. It's another rant that Phantom Dennis should have been able to see Cordy when she was invisible or whatever. They didn't even go there. I, As a dentist, I was excited with the implication that Phantom Dennis and Cordelia have been hooking up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the Lufa Lufa comment, implication. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and her sexual. Yeah, I mean, it's that's not yeah. a healthy relationship, though. Like my roommate, who only knows me and I have sex with, but I won't tell anybody that I'm doing that. That's not a healthy relationship. That should not be happening. Man, just critiques of every relationship. Going on. <laughs> just let a ghost live his life. <laughs> I forgot John is perfect and has only normal perfect relationships. That's right. Well, next rant here, the, the mall construct, right? Where very deliberately Skip says, it's like a construct, like in the Matrix, right? I love it. I love just like, this is what this is. There's no confusion about it. It becomes this weird clip verse where they can play clips from previous episodes of the show. That totally worked for me. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed that scene. I want to watch that scene more times, that episode more times, just because that whole world, like Skip's, Skip's weirdness is super fun. It feels like this organic kind of rather than writers putting their own stories in the world they use the world to tell the story they wanted to tell i don't know what skip's powers or abilities are at all i still don't know 
Like he's a guide, I guess, but then he's also a guardian for of torture. Like he's just got a bunch of jobs to do on this list of je- demon to dos, and it's <laughs> awesome. I don't know if this hotel, the ho- guy who ran the Hyperion in the alternate universe, who he was, but man, his obsession with Cordy was super good. That totally worked for me. I love that character. I didn't have a place to talk about that character. I guess it'd be like best new character, but he's such an it's just a random hotel dude. He's great. This is a separate rant about Provider. The uh, get a shitty website, immediately get business phenomenon. Like, yeah. It doesn't work that way. That's the 90s fantasy of websites. God, there were so many weird 90s website or early 2000s website jokes this batch. Like, is it in Waiting in the Wings when Angel's beating up the Dracula guy and he's like, you're obsessed with somebody? Build a website. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) That's what people did back then. You made a little fan site on GeoCities. Build a little GeoCities to Summer Glow. I get it. I do miss that type of website. Like Me Leonard, too. Leonard Nimoy and Salsa. Remember when that could oh, be a website? Leonard Nimoy should eat more Salsa Project. Yeah. I forgot all about that. That was great. <laughs> That's what the internet used to be about. <laughs> well, it definitely scratches those itches for sure about like 90s websites, which I love. But then this fantasy of like, they didn't get the number right on the flyer. They're idiots. Yeah. And so they... <laughs> lost all this. I mean, I love this guy dying because he calls a pizza place. I love that <laughs> setup. That was great. The You have a good website and then everything's solved. This fantasy also that they're live editing the text on the website like it's not done in yeah. an editor. Everything about them like, Ugh, this is crazy. And then the phone's ringing off the freaking hook because they got their website up. Anyway, as a freelancer, this is crazy. I have a website that is not... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. your website is better than theirs. No, that's not that's not even the point of it. It's just like <laughs> I know. having a website is like it's such a a bare minimum for entry in the world of being in a business. Like I I would doubt that Angel Investigations is even registered as a business that pays taxes in the state of California. There's like a bare minimum before their bare minimum. And so anyway. Okay, then Lauren's just throwaway drink concept of baby formula plus Kahlua. I love it. I want to call that drink the Lauren <laughs> and I'm curious if anybody wants to go in on trying that drink. Uh, I feel like it needs something else. It needs vodka, right? Yeah, then another thing from Provider, Angel getting set up to kill the vampires and then him trying to get paid on that was super sad. Like, Angel's excitement about getting paid, not getting paid, and then just, like, having to deal with it. And also his insistence on getting paid while, like, the vampires are going to attack, right? Like, moving in on the mark or whatever. Like, that scene is so sad. That is the darkest time. (laughs) (laughs) But I like this glimpse of what the show is if Angel's actually trying to make money. But at the same time, I'm like, this show doesn't know how to deal with this problem. Yeah. Once people actually know to contact him, you find out there's this so much larger need for his, his services than we've ever right. seen. And it's like, so all these people are, when they're not actively trying to find new business, are just dying, right? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, otherwise, his business requires someone to have terrifying visions of people being attacked in order to react. Right. They're so reactive to a problem already in progress. Like, yeah. well, this this comes back to the question that we discussed ages ago where I'm asking, like, you know, how much good was Buffy really doing in the grand scheme of things? Right. Because, like, there's this messianic aura around like one 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 girl among all the world or whatever. Actually, what you need is a lot more than that. <laughs> That's like saying, I'm the only one who can sweep the floor in the whole world. It's my job. 
and then I guess rant is a shout out, uh, waiting the wings premise that Bilnikov ballet company has been forming the same thing for hundreds of years is so good. I love this curse concept playing out. I think it totally works because ballet is one of those magical kinds of performances where everybody does get dressed up. It's not even about the content of the of the performance at all. We don't even get into the story of Giselle. We're really way more fixated on how much fun it is to dress up and go out. And just like the that world of going to the theater, going to an opera or a ballet, there's so much mileage in that. Yes, they could be doing the same performance for hundreds of years. It wouldn't matter because that's not even why we're there it's fancy and another time and there's something special about that that they really capture the special the, the stupid specialness of theater and i i love that and it totally totally worked i mean the whole dress up montage of everybody looking good and we're like it's so cute and i i like that whole sequence so much and it is like the best part of theater the, the excuse to get fancy so they, they really pulled that off. And then I, I love the premise that got, you know, even though it's recycled, just seeing Cordy and Angel sort of hook up. And then like freaking Cordy, Cordy doubling down and saying, Angel, you'd fight monsters, but the sexiness of performing these roles to figure out what's going on. You don't want to go into this mystery with me. I really love that challenge and that Angel's such a failure. They really bring out this earnestness and insecurity, which is such a broken part of this character in there. And it's like, I question this just like a male heroes in general. Why can't we confidently kiss a woman or like confidently walk into a scene? Like there was probably a era in filmmaking where men did that and it was eventually got dirty. And then this male hero arc or the concept of male heroes changed where it's like you can't confidently kiss. You have to get permission and you have to. Uh, like have clear consent. I'm not anti-consent. That's not where this rant is going. I apologize if that's where it appears it is. What I mean is Angel's lack of confidence to go in, like he will confidently go and kick down a door and kill a vampire, but he can't, even with consent, move into a territory where he's going to simulate sex with his partner in in order to understand more about what's going on in this possession world. Anyway, that's why it's, it's a fun scene in part because he can't. It struck me as a problem with these, with with heroes yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. the insecurity around sex i mean my comic friends kind of have a joke about like there's a whole subgenre of comics and movies where the entire world would be destroyed if the hero ever ejaculated <laughs> <laughs> like little abner is a good example of like there's so much like sex romp and stuff or, or archie so much sex romp and stuff but like if the characters ever actually hooked up like <laughs> the world would be destroyed um <laughs> Angel definitely suffers from that also. Like he suffers from it more literally than everybody else. Like mostly. <laughs> I'm so happy that episode addressed it. I think it's a phenomenal episode. It's just a bummer that the ending is so formulaic. And yes, the count with the big like glowing red piece on his body, yeah. like that's that's the bad guy. Like that stuff, I mean it's the monster's not important in this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a bummer because like they could have they could have made that a better episode overall. But like the first half is fantastic and like probably two thirds of it. All right, I think that's all we have to say. So let's move on to predictions. Virgin predictions. What happened this week? Okay, so uh, Michael, let's uh, review where you are at the moment. You. Uh, have an overall accuracy for uh, 64.16%. That's across uh, all the Buffy and Angel episodes we've done so far. Uh, We don't track Angel predictions uh, season by season, so we don't know how you're doing in Angel season three um, because I cannot be bothered to set the spreadsheet up to do that. 
So let's go through some of these. And Dennis, please do call some out or Travis, call some out if you see any that I've missed here. But uh, the very beginning, uh, our first ever Angel special, Michael, you predicted that Cordelia is going to, in fact, lose her ability to have visions. And that does happen, uh, albeit temporarily, that does happen. That one is confirmed. When we did part one of season two of Angel, Michael, you predicted that the whiteboard from season two, episode one of Angel will return. And it has. They're, the whiteboard comes back. They use it to track the threats to baby Connor. So that one is confirmed. Well done calling out the whiteboard. Okay, so then we have in Angel season two, part two, this one is going to be a little bit convoluted. Michael predicted that Cordelia will become a demon, parentheses, temporarily, close parentheses, open parentheses, impaled on Buffy, comma, pregnancy, comma, psychic something, comma, Sky Lodge demon. And I think what you were trying to say there, Michael, is that because a lot of bad things have happened to Cordelia in the past, ergo in the future, Cordelia will become a demon, parentheses, temporarily. Now, where this is problematic is for me is she becomes part demon permanently. <laughs> so I think that means this is denied. Yeah, it's a near miss. That's a bummer. I yeah. think I saw that. I mean, you were, you had the right general uh, yeah. thrust of it, but because you had because you had to go out of your way and say, "Oh no, it's going to be temporarily." Uh, that's denied. Season three, part one, as the last Angel special we did. Michael, you predicted that Darla and Angel will team up to fight Holtz. Uh, that does not happen, and Darla dies. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and deny that one. Well, I mean, technically they, I mean, they didn't, I don't know. Technically they team up. I mean, how do they team up? Well, I she joins, she joins Angel. She joins Angel's team. Yeah. I mean, she's around. I don't know how much she's joined the team because she's constantly like undermining and fighting them. Plus nothing she does helps to fight Holtz. So I think it's unfair to say that, that they team up to fight Holtz. She doesn't even directly know about Holtz, right? You know, nothing's inevitable unless you... Stand up and say that's inevitable. <laughs> but Mike, I think it's inevitable that you will not get this prediction. <laughs> so that's um, two denied. And I have, uh, uh, I found a couple confirmed? more. Oh, you found a couple more. Okay. All right. Let's okay. go. Let's go back. Yeah. Angel one, season one, part one. There will be more than one room to visit the powers that be because that mall was run by Skip, who's an agent of the powers that be. So I think okay. that's a room. Sure. Okay, we can confirm that one. It's the, the the mall counts. I'll buy that. Angel Season 1, Part 2. Another assassin will be hired to kill children. There was definitely assassins... Or there's definitely people hired to dissect and kill Angel's baby. Oh, that's totally true. Yeah, no, I'll... Yeah, I'll totally count that. That's confirmed as well. Wow, good call, Dennis. Didn't, didn't really think about those that way. That's excellent. Then... Is this highlighted intentionally? Darla will be killed by Angel? I did because uh, she didn't get killed by Angel. She killed herself. Oh, right. so oh yeah, it's a deny. Yeah, yeah well, I'm helping you're you volunteering out. volunteering that was... that's denied. Yeah. <clears throat> Obviously. What was I thinking? Okay, well, that's uh, well done finding those guys. And Angel in the got end... so close to getting laid also. <laughs> Angel not getting laid again. Yeah. Uh, we will update this. Your overall accuracy is now at a 64 0.05. Do you have pancakes, Mike? Maybe pancakes just showed up. Yeah. Wow. Guys, this this is a great advertisement for getting married. <laughs> this is the advertisement. <laughs> Random pancakes. 
Okay, great. Well, I have more predictions. I am not sure how to word this prediction in a way, and I would love your help, Dennis and John. Travis, you're my supporter. I know you know what I mean by this. Everyone else, I'm not sure. <laughs> Connor isn't going to grow naturally. What I want to say is, Connor the baby, we're, this is not a story of Angel being a dad for two more seasons. Connor will either be magically disappeared or magically grow up. And I don't know how that's going to happen. I need some help, guys. Grow naturally? What? Then he's a demon, and so he didn't grow naturally? Like, right. this uh, show does not want to... put a limit on how many baby Connor episodes you think we'll get? No, that's not fair. No. Because okay. we will get what, like... what, he, what he's trying to say <laughs> is that Connor's going to age. He thinks Connor will age so that it's not a baby. That's what that's what you're trying to say, Mike. Is that right? Like, yeah, this show we will can't see, we will be see an adult more years. Connor. We can't have two more years. Well, maybe. I just think we can't have two more years of Connor baby. That's yeah. not an interesting show. So maybe word it as: When do you think you would see a more a grown-up version of Connor? Either last episode of this season, start of the next season. Okay, you know you can you can do it. You can do a prediction that way, and that. That satisfies what your intent is, which is you'll see more ground version. Connor, we will. How about just we will see we'll, we'll see, a, we'll see a, a grown a grown Connor by blank oh, time. Okay, Connor by season four. Okay. All right, that sounds like it's wrong, but thank you guys. Cordy won't give away her visions in season three of Angel. She has been another opportunity to get rid of them. Nope. So I'm just going to take that point. Cordy's part demon powers will help her kill monsters. We don't even know what these powers are yet, which is awesome. She was floating. That's all we know. Mm -hmm. I'm going beyond five here. Holtz will fight against Wolfram of Heart in season three of Angel. I think Holtz has got to be turned against Wolfram and Heart. There's just no way. Holtz is just such an oddball character. I don't know why yet, but he will. Maybe they have something he needs. Skip will return again. He's too much fun. I don't know what season. Maybe not this season, but I like Skip. Um, is that going to be your super prediction? No, my super is going to be this last one, sorry. Ah. My super will be, Holtz will be killed at the end of season three of Angel. I think, like, this is an open and shut case for a super super villain. Uh, Holtz will do something horrific and then be killed, but I don't know what. Maybe he'll kidnap Connor and take him to another dimension, where he'll come back in another season, be older, and trained by Holtz to fight Angel. Who knows? This show wants to do some batshit stuff with that baby. And I don't know what it wants to do. <laughs> uh, and then Wolfram and Hart will kidnap Connor in season three of Angel. There's just no way they're not getting their hands on that baby. <laughs> just no way. <laughs> Even if it's one episode, they're kidnapping that baby for like a few minutes. What's going to drive Angel so much? We're like seeing all this Angel loves the baby shit. Take that baby away from him. <laughs> <laughs> this other one, are you predicting it or not? No, I decided not to predict this. This is stupid. Okay, so it shouldn't be added to the... Do not add the stupid idea that Wolfram and Hart would reveal they brought back Darla so that she and Angel would have a baby they would steal because it's the prophecy. I don't believe that because I think that Wolfram and Hart has been shocked by Darla being pregnant, that she could be pregnant, that there is a baby, that it could be a vampire, that it's like the level of uh, incredulity on the side of Wolfram and Hart that this is what's happening. There's no way that they intended that to happen, even if they're following the steps in a prophecy, which I believe they are, they'd have no idea that that's what's happening. So if they did, they did it inadvertently. And if they try to take credit for it later, I'm going to point to the episodes where they are incredulous about it. 
So I don't want to make that prediction. Awesome. I like those predictions, Mike. We'll see where they shake up when we come back to Angel. Oh, we got a lot more Angel to watch. Uh, a lot more Angel to watch. But before that, we're going to watch more Buffy next week. We need to oh. do a uh, where do we go from here. Oh, dang. I forgot to... Yeah. All right. Where oh, do we go from here? Because Buffy and Angel will eventually end, but our friendship won't. So what do we do next, guys? Where do we go from here? I, I'd like to pitch a podcast idea. And this is one that um, is not so much one that I think is a good idea, as much as I feel like it would be incomplete if we didn't include this as an idea. So let me pitch you an idea for a podcast. This podcast is called Buffy Virgin Forever. And the premise of this podcast is that much like the Batman sequel, Batman Forever, we'll just extend something longer than it's welcome. I was looking at just how much Buffy verse media there is, right? So I figured, well, you know, we'll, we'll do every episode of Buffy. Then we will have two seasons of Angel. So we can just keep going on Angel, get those done. Then we could start looking into the season uh, season eight comic books, the season nine comic books, all the way up to I think they have season 12 just came out last year or whatever. So we could do all those comics that would take us a little while. We could start going through the novels. We could, I like, I one point I did start to try to add up like how long it would take us, you know, roughly at the rate we make podcasts to get through all that. But there's just like, like it forever is the answer. The rest of our lives is the answer. So one idea for a podcast that we could do after this podcast is over is we could do Buffy Virgin forever. And we would all be virgins for most of it is the, yeah. is the nice thing about that, you know. Mm-hmm. And then if they ever make that uh, new Buffy show, there's that. And if we ever do run out of official stuff, there's always fan fiction. You know, you talked about the Buffy comics seasons 8 through 12, but there's also the entire Buffy Dark Horse right? comic line that ran before that. that plus was, Frey. Plus Frey. Plus, there's a new Buffy comic put out by Boom Studios that's a, a revamp. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we're running out, is the point. <laughs> Anytime soon. So that's my pitch for our next podcast, guys. What do you think? It sounds a lot to me. It sounds like a lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting anxiety just you saying that. <laughs> I think part of the premise of this is that there would be an end. And that... Um, I, I want I want just like to us to hone in on what is a reasonable commitment that we all enjoy. I think that watching seven episodes of Angel at a time feels like too much. <laughs> uh, and if there's a smaller little chunk of something that can be an excuse to hang out, uh, yes, I'm 100% into that. What is that small chunk of something? But let's let our viewers decide. At some point, we'll put all these into a spreadsheet and we will conduct a poll of some kind. But I want to be very clear. We are going to make the decision about what we're <laughs> not user voted. Anyone, anyone got anything else? Well, I have been Dennis St. John. I make comics, and I am currently working on a dinosaur fanzine. You might be able to order by the time this is out, or there might be more info about it online. But right now, I'm just at the beginning stages, so it's going to be fun. But there's plenty of Dennis content that you can buy right now. I just got some of it, some stuff I was behind on in the mail not long ago. And it's just so good. There's just so much great stuff. I was thinking, Dennis, about how like your artwork was reminding me a little bit of like Kirby or Robert Crumb in the sense that you can tell someone is taking 
sensual pleasure in creating this artwork. There is this lingering on detail that is clearly very specific and loving. And you don't get that from every from every artist. Somebody really enjoyed making this is something that I was really getting out of it. And like and like pleasure and disgust at the same time. <laughs> and that those two things are definitely a seamless oneness with your art. I really love it. Awesome. Thank you, John, for that assessment of my work. Yeah. If you want to see a guy who gets really into monsters eating each other and then morphing into each other and then puking each other out, that is totally my jam. Two monsters, one bucket. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. And you can find my work. I'm at Dennis Comics. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. That is uh, my Twitter handle, my Instagram, and my .com. I want to thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Don't forget to rate us, and uh, we hope you are subscribing. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube. Our Twitter is at Buffy Virgin Pod. Instagram is Buffy Virgin. Uh, you can also check us out at BuffyVirgin.com. Re- reach out. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll see you in hell.